Jake. Your banjo, Jake. I mean, it's, sit, it's sitting right there. Here, Come on, get this? your banjo. What the heck? No, 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 no. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'll get my hand pan and play a little ditty if. I can't Guys, believe it. Welcome back. Welcome back. Nico wants the banjo. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. <laughs> but don't worry. The... All right, there we go. It's not even in tune. No banjo's ever in tune. Sounds great. All right, All right, Jake, come on, play, play, me, play me a chord, Jake, come on, play me a chord. Podcast. All right, cool. Now the mood is set. It's like having a wine with your fancy dinner. It's like you got to you got to do it, you know? It's like having so. cheese with your favorite cracker. They bring over the wine and then you sample it. And you, and have you ever been like, no, this one? No, sorry. No, send it back. Send uh, it yeah, back. Hey, have you ever tasted a wine? You know, they bring it over. You take that little sip. Have yeah. you ever rejected it? I, I, I feel like someone needs to do it just to say that they've done it. Say, I've, they I've never done it. I have sent a drink back, but it was never. I never did it with wine. What did you, you do it with? You know, Zinc or Bar Mateo down the street? Yeah. So, you know, they like to think they're hoity-toity and they're really fancy restaurant. When in reality, they're they're a good restaurant, but they're definitely not like $20 cocktail kind of restaurant. But yeah. they, they're, you know, they're getting a little big for their shoes. And this guy's talking up this really good drink and it's like kind of pricey. I'm like, all right, I have an hour and a date. Let's, let's order it. And I get this, like, it's a salty, like, whipped cream kind of drink. And I get back and it's like... Like the kind of froth you'd have on top of a beer with like a bunch of salt and then like ice and water <laughs> or like vodka tasting water. And it's like, this is gross. <laughs> this is the grossest drink I've ever had. And it's like $18. I'm like, sorry, guys. Froth I need a water. different one. Give me a different one that, you know, you spent some effort on, please. But did you, did you actually give it back? <laughs> You're out of here. Finish it. Mm-hmm. I actually gave it back to them. I took two sips of it and I asked for a different one. That's yeah. really important because if you don't give it back, then you look like a huge asshole. You know what I mean? I was Drink having the dinner the thing. other week, and there's a table next to me already. They're like complaining about the seating. They're like, oh, this is going to be really weird if we, you know, they had like six or seven people. The only free table was one that fit four. So mm-hmm. they're already complaining, like, oh, this is going to be weird sitting here. It's like, I don't know. It's really uncomfortable. It's like, guys, it's the only seat. And then on top of that, they all order drinks. The drinks come, they immediately raise their hand, the waiter comes over, they're like, uh, these drinks are way too, like, weird and syrupy, can we, like, get something else? And they're like, he's like, sure, yeah, yeah, of course, you want me to take the drinks back? And like, no, we'll finish them. (laughs) (laughs) So what is it? Do they suck or not? Like, (laughs) I just, it's just like that, that attitude, you have commitment, you know, decision making, decisiveness. Yeah. So send the banjo back. So send the banjo back. Did you send the banjo back? Is that what just happened there? (laughs) I didn't send the banjo back. I thought the banjo was great. You brought it back is what you did. Yeah, you... I brought it back. By popular demand. By one person's insistent demand (laughs) over and over. Wouldn't it be funny if somebody in in this podcast just goes on every video and comments, this is great, but what happened to the banjo? 
<laughs> and everyone's like, dude, didn't you hear it? It was at the beginning. Just, keep, just every episode they just keep commenting yeah or we just you know we stop the banjo but then we keep telling people that it's in it when they ask about it. it's like it's in this video why aren't you seeing it like i see it it's at the beginning or, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Or we act like it's there and i just don't actually play it <laughs> exactly just, just to really confuse people i don't know who knows maybe we'll vfx it Ghost so Nico, yeah. Nico, we all just spent a week in Texas. <laughs> yeah, you guys and did. Jake has now now permanently spending multiple weeks in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> How's your slurp coming? It's coming it's, along. It's coming, it's yeah, good. we got every... some good uh, some good bits. We have some good slurp bits after we, the trip. We figured out what slurp actually is made of. So Uh-oh. for those of you who Gross. don't know, every time we go to Texas, the the idea of a slurp comes to be and we're not exactly sure what it is it's just something that you use in uh in in speaking like um it's like a combination of like it's it's like half like yokel half drawl half like spittoon you know like it's all these elements combined into one concept of slurp and then if you instead of saying like um when you're using a sentence it it, it, you say (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> can, you give, can you give me an example uh, yeah so uh so i was going going down to the creek there but and and i was seeing some some little kinds of fishes <laughs> but i didn't have my fishing rod so now, if, and now, look, listen, if you if you are from Texas, then you you know what we're talking about. You can skip this bit. <laughs> but we also want. we also evolved the uh, the H-E-B references. So, there's oh, a gro- there's, yeah. So there's a grocery store out here called H-E-B, which is the the, the initials of the guy that started it. But we always a good time. Yeah, we always call time. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you got to do right there. Yeah, so we, we, we started calling it Heb. Having a good time. And then it became and then it became synonymous with here. What y'all doing, Heb? <laughs> <laughs> and then have. Have you ever seen a <laughs> have you ever seen a Texas have you ever seen a Texas slurp? <laughs> And then, have you ever seen an ash skin belt? <laughs> and then, and then it evolved into heeb, which is like the way that, yeah. the way that really fancy people say it. They're like, they're, yeah, like, hey, that, that... Uh, I need to go to heeb. <laughs> Listen, honey, could you pick me up something at the heeb? Oh boy. Yeah, it's pretty brutal out there. Yeah. Texas will change you. It will. It'll turn you before you know it, you'll be slurping and heaving all the way back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, slurping and heaving. Try heaves. So, <laughs> so while you were um while we were out there, you were in LA making a bunch of videos. I was. Um, what did you guys, what did you guys make? Did you, did you feel a sense of complete and utter loss in our absence, Nico? Yeah, I did. I, just real quick, Sam, what do you got your fingers there? That little thing in your hands. It's a tiny Simba. 
on a, <laughs> on a suction cup. It's on a suction cup? Yeah. Did you get that in a Happy Mail? It looks like Gideon got that in a Happy Mail. No, he won it at the grocery store for being super cute. Oh, perfect. Wow. Perfect. Yes. All right. Cool. So, uh, yeah, that's back at back at the studio. Uh, we did some really cool things like Ren made our heads into ice cubes. So, like, somebody sent us this little like mini vacuum former, like a desktop vacuum former. Yeah. Yeah. And like the that. thing that's cool about it is it, it uses a shop vac as the vacuum part. So it's basically just a fancy toaster at that point. And you just toast up your plastic and you slam it down to the thing. And the shop vac sucks the air out. Uh, so it actually works. Um, and the idea is that, you know, you can 3D print. You can take pictures of a head, somebody's head. Hey, a ham? And uh, <laughs> you take ham? pictures of a head, <laughs> and then you can 3D print that grocery store. <laughs> uh, no, you take 3D pictures of somebody's face, and then you can 3D print that. And then you use that as basically a mold uh, for the vacuum former to vacuum form a piece of uh, plastic over it. Um, and then you can fill that with water and you can make an ice cube or you can make it jello. But basically, long story short, is you get to make molds of your face to fill with water or ice or whatever. So we did that last week. That was fun. It was like mm. it's a good, like not too productive, but still entertaining video concept. And then we also did uh, remaking Tron's CGI, which, yeah. in my opinion, was uh, like probably the the cooler of the two <laughs> concepts not to like rag on Ren's video but you know we had just done a visual effects artist react episode to Tron looking at the original from 1982 and like all the crazy stuff they had to do to do that CGI back in the day you know it's they're basically working on this movie with like no tools whatsoever um you know just doing the most routine and tedious stuff by hand in the computer yeah. like for example you know when you're animating something on a computer these days you know you Frame frame one, you put it in one position. Frame ten, put it in the other position. You have a keyframe for each one of those. And then the computer will automatically move the object from its position at frame one to its position at frame ten over those frames. Right. It's called tweening, in-betweening. It's the same thing for animation. You have a keyframe artist that draws one frame, and then he draws the next frame ten frames later, and they have all the scrub artists do all the in-betweens. Yeah. So... <clears throat> You know, easy stuff for a computer. (laughs) (laughs) That's the official. That's an industry term. Yeah, scrub artist. That's an industry term. The disheveled (laughs) (laughs) scrub artist. So, uh, so you know, but you know, their computer programs are doing three D imaging and stuff. Like they didn't even have like scrub artists. They didn't even have in betweens. They didn't have keyframes. So, like literally, they would just move all the objects quote-unquote render a frame which by the way they couldn't render out a frame to like a picture they could put it on a screen and then take a picture of the screen with a film camera (laughs) and then just do that again so it's like literally move the objects take a picture of the screen like can you imagine doing a 3d animation where the way you do it is you position all the objects on your computer then you hit the print screen button on your keyboard. You open up Microsoft Paint and then you paste that print screen <laughs> copy Control and you save that as frame e. zero. And then you go back into your 3D program. You literally move everything by hand. And you hit print screen again and, <laughs> and you do that frame by frame to make your animation. Like yeah. that's literally what they did for Tron, uh, the original 1982 one. Not for not every company had the same exact system, but, you know, at least, the you know, some of the companies doing like the light cycle stuff, for example, um, they had to do it that way. That's why there's so, no. Uh, that's why they're just on these maps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just these grids to do to do art. In addition, <clears throat> can you imagine doing three dimensional uh, um, perspective like shifts? And, yeah, yeah. 
it's like, just it's so much work and like so we had this idea where it's like you know what the rendering is really straightforward like the rendering engine that they're using it's a very straightforward basic basic rendering system it's been in 3d programs forever it's like we're like you know what now we have all these modern tools and we know the techniques they used we could probably split the difference kind of take some of their techniques combine them with our modern tools and we could probably remake the famous light cycle scene from the original 1982 tron in one day which is yeah. pretty crazy to think about like here's a a feature film with groundbreaking visual effects. And here we are just casually remaking it in one day. Um, and we set out to do that. And we did. We didn't quite hit it in one day. It was like a 36 hour thing. Cause it turns out that like trying to stick to their style was almost, was more time consuming than just doing the scene. You know, it's like, mm. it's like restoring an old painting. Mm. It's like when you're having to like sit there and making sure you're using the same materials and you're, you know, yeah. the lines are the same thickness and all that kind of stuff. Like that ends up taking a time. But like if we just if we're just to like whip up a light cycle scene, like, you know, with our own methods, with our own art direction and not have to match it exactly, like we could have done it very quickly. But even even so, we still did it in like 36 hours. I think it's just like a testament to like how much the tools have been refined, how fast the computers are, you know, how much more like, you know, you can you can focus on your artistry now as an artist a lot more than you could back in the day. Yeah, I mean, imagine if everything had that increase in efficiency per man in 40 yeah. years. It'd be crazy. Imagine if, like, educational tools had that increase in... <laughs> imagine yeah. how easy it would be to educate somebody. It'd be like, <laughs> you know this thing we used to have a university for? Look, listen, <laughs> just here's one guy, okay? Three months, and you're done. So yeah, you learn everything... That... You learned it's that scene from the Matrix when when Neo wakes up. It's just like, Duh. yeah, I know algebra. Yeah. I know algebra yeah. one hundred five. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Oh, I know biomed or whatever it is. <laughs> the organic chemistry. <laughs> they taught me organic chemistry. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sweet though. I think it. it yeah. It definitely proves a really cool point, and I'm kind of curious to see how that stuff turned out because I'm pretty sure you know you guys took some creative liberties to make it look a we didn't take shinier. any creative liberties oh well, actually really? well after we did the the you know after we matched it perfectly pixel for pixel um <laughs> <laughs> which we came pretty close actually uh then we're like you know what peter just turn on all the nice things like keep the scene exactly the same it's the same animation the same models just check all the boxes that give you all the good stuff take the graphics and turn them to maximum and he did, and it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool seeing the difference between the two. Nico, you know what's even cooler? What? The fact that today's episode is brought to you by Storyblocks. Oh, oh. <laughs> that is cool. Okay, hey, ready? this podcast is sponsored. Yeah. And five, four, three, three, two, one. And once again, it's the time in the podcast where I tell you about today's sponsor, Storyblocks. That's right. They are the one-stop shop for all of your stock asset needs, whether that's B-roll, motion graphics, After Effects templates, sound effects. Storyblocks has you covered, whether it's a commercial project, a video for YouTube, or just a video for yourself. Everything on there is in beautiful 4K. They have such an extensive library of content on there, you will never find or need to use the same thing twice. It's constantly being updated. Storyblocks is going to have what you need if you're looking to add another layer of quality and professionalism to everything that you're doing. So head on over to storyblocks.com. Hey, that's... They're calling me about Storyblocks. Do you hear that? 
Hey, yeah, storyblocks.com slash CorridorCast is going to be the place where you're going to get everything you need. So go on there, get an unlimited all-access plan. Once again, that's storyblocks.com slash CorridorCast. All right, see you out there. Oh, okay, the telemarketer hung up on me. But seriously, guys, storyblocks.com slash CorridorCast, that's where you're going to go to find this awesome tool that we use around here. Let's get back to the podcast. And that's it. That's how you know. That was Jake, so you're really good at those sponsored Jake. segments, man. Oh, thanks, Thank man. I, uh, I I haven't even done this one yet. I'm going to do it after <laughs> we finish this episode. So, wow. Wow. Do you remember, like remember back machine. in the day? Remember back in the day how, like, people got really angry when we'd had sponsor segments? Yeah. And, like, so we were like, you know what? We're going to do a couple things. One, we'll put a timer on the videos. Two, we're just going to go crazy with them. <laughs> and that's all the only things he did. <laughs> and that fixed it. <clears throat> yeah. You know, you can do an advertisement. Just make it fun. Yeah. Just make totally. it fun to watch. Yeah, it took a while. It was a lot of, uh, you know, it, well, we, especially when we first started on YouTube, everyone was in the, such a habit of everything being free for everything. Yeah. You know, it was like you get these stories day in and day out. And there's no integrations. There's hardly any ads on the videos. It was pretty remarkable because you had companies like Machinima and every other one that was taking these bets like, hey, we'll pay you $3.50 CPM guaranteed every view. Views are the only metric because there was no way, there was no way else to um, bet on what YouTube was going to be worth. So they yeah. just took they just took views and they were like, okay, great, you got views, uh, okay, we'll, we'll pay you three dollars and fifty cents for every thousand views. Doesn't matter how you get them or who watches them, because <clears throat> venture capital is unlimited, baby. Yeah, <laughs> we got to start somewhere. It's and not a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to just. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Tell the story, Machinima here. <laughs> yeah, and sure enough, you know, I mean, like it did set the stage for like the creators to be able to come in and actually make a living at it. And eventually we had to evolve away from that because that model isn't sustainable, but you know, I'm glad it happened. Yeah. Cause it, it, that was the only thing to get it off the ground. Yeah. I remember, you know, when the first Minecraft video went viral, it was like the third, fourth video on our channel. And like <laughs> that combined with, you know, another video here and there afterwards doing all right. And then Machinima's guarantee of, I think it was like a buck fifty for every thousand views. I think they were giving you guys like two. No, I, I, think, I think it was a buck Dude, fifty. It was, it was, I think it was, was at three. It was at three bucks, y'all. I thought it was, was at it? two. Yeah, I, rem- I think I remember two fifty was in there for a while. Yeah. Man. Yeah, it went Either down way, to two fifty. Yeah. We paid our rent. And then they started doing the whole like, oh, it's only monetized views. And we're like, oh. Well, actually, that happened once they switched to Studio 71. <laughs> it was such a good deal for creators at the time. It was. Not every creator got the good deals. Remember all the all the controversy about them signing people into, like, unlimited contracts? Yeah. Where it's yes. just, like, for everything yeah. you create from here on out is forever machinimas? That was in, the, that was in <clears> like, <throat> the 2011 to 2013 yeah. phase. 
And then they quickly learned that having like people with large audiences, like having them complain about you is like not a good thing. <laughs> it's like even even if even if the person's a dumbass and they signed a contract and said, you know, everything you make is ours forever. You understand this sign that here on the dotted line and they sign there on the dotted line. They're like later like, oh, I didn't know, I it didn't meant know everything. everything was yours forever. <laughs> and, oh, I don't really, this is really unfair. You know, and they, yeah. you know, even if the yeah. person was in the wrong, like. <laughs> Once you get an audience on your side, boy, it's just pitchforks all over the place. Machinima didn't have a chance. No, yeah, they really didn't. Plus, it was like some sort of—they didn't I mean, have their like fundamentals. Scheme. Yeah, I, I don't know <laughs> if it was verified Ponzi scheme, but it wasn't. Oh, what happened? Oh, your camera you, died. Oh, oh, I can hear you. I can hear you, but I can't see you. I don't know what happened. But yeah, it wasn't like like you said. It wasn't necessarily. It wasn't actually a Ponzi scheme as much as like any venture capitalist endeavor in the United States is a Ponzi scheme. But it's definitely a let's get a bunch of money for something that sounds really modern, and then let's burn it, and then try to build something that seems big so we can then raise more money, and then whoever raises it at that set, whoever gives us the money at that second or third stage, they're the ones stuck holding the bag. We built something, we sold it, we made our riches, we're out. You know, that's that what they were... Yeah, that was kind of what they were doing, wasn't it? It's 100% what they were doing. Sign as many YouTubers as you can to then turn around and point at it to some Silicon Valley investment firm and be like, look, we have 10,000 people under our channel. We can access 30 million eyeballs at will. It's a new advertisement system, et cetera, right. et cetera. Oh, those aren't all independent creators that exist on a platform meant for independent creators. Try not try to ignore that. Yeah. <laughs> try to ignore that part that they can just at will get their ad revenue from YouTube and not us. You know, we're definitely providing a service that they can't just get on their own. We're guys, we're doing the right thing here. I don't think anyone else realizes that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so needless to say, of course, they weren't making any money. They did raise that second round, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but I don't think they got a third one, and they are no longer with us. They deleted the channels, which is the weird thing. Like, just leave them up. Leave them up and let the videos be watched by people. They're no longer with us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They died. <laughs> they straight up died. When you die, your YouTube channel gets deleted, and all your videos go with it. Yeah. By the way, Jake, your camera's still out. I just know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying okay. to fix it. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, it's whatever. It's so oh, weird. That's if, you, if you go to the, yeah. the page right now, they have a yeah. YouTube channel with 11.9 million subscribers and zero videos. Yeah. Zero That's videos? It, the oh, your channel is still active. It's just that there's zero videos. Wait, on. they really deleted all the videos? <clears throat> they did. They deleted all their videos. So if you want to go back and watch those RB and the Chief <laughs> stop motion videos or whatever... Those are gone. Whoa. That's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, would, you would think that the person holding the bag on that would at least be like, well, just leave the damn videos up. <laughs> <laughs> at least we're going to make something. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. What's the value of a channel with subscribers but no videos? Here's their about. Guys, Machinima is the most notorious purveyor and cultivator of fandom and gamer culture. Notorious, they got that part right. I think they got that part right. <laughs> Man, what a time. You know, that kind of brings me to what I was going to propose the topic of this podcast be, which is 
how the hell <laughs> did we end up here being professional YouTubers? It's not like we went to school for it. It's not like we had any idea what to do. And here we are running a company, and we apparently kind of have our shit figured out a little bit. Just enough, you know, to be Just around for a decade. Just enough to know that we don't have it figured out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I Is mean, it all it's... trial and error, Jake? Is it entirely trial and error? Did you just constantly make mistakes until you got it right? How did you get here? Well, it's not entirely trial and error. I mean, there's definitely strategy that goes into repeating processes that work. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I mean, you do that in anything, right? You get an A on a homework assignment. You're like, oh, I'm going to study the same way for the next one. Um, so you do that with filmmaking, I think. Um, mm -hmm. You do it with writing. Uh, but uh, it's trial and error. Yes. Trial and error. Uh, backed by, offset, it, offset by um, writing down things that work and repeating them. Mm -hmm. uh, offset by um, working hard, you know, just showing up every day and, and like putting in the effort. Um, yeah. A lot of people suffered from, well, it's weird at, in your twenties, when you're in a certain industry, you'll see people sort of succeed and, and, or fail at things. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I suppose this happens at any stage in life, but I think it's even more poignant when you're in your twenties because you are coming off of this like knowledge base from, uh, you know, you're no longer a child. Um, now it's time to like actually start figuring, figuring your <clears throat> shit out as it were, figuring yourself out, figuring your career out, figuring your, your, your skills and fortes out. Mm -hmm. Some people hit that really early and, you know, they can become wildly successful. Uh, but then, um, we've seen that happen to people. We've seen people become wildly successful at YouTube and then, and then now they're no longer, maybe they're not even in the game anymore. You know, maybe they're yeah. like off doing something else or, or they had some sort of like, uh, you know, faux pas when it came to like who they are or what they, what they did. You know, you got your, you got your Toby Turners of the world and what have you. <laughs> um, like what's Ray William, still... what's Ray William Johnson up to? Well, he's making Instagram videos. He's like, is he trying to relive the glory days? But like he no, gave no. it up. Remember? Yeah. yeah. And then I think he, he realized that he enjoyed it. You can't just it. make... I I mean, I'm sure... I'm not sure how much he realized he enjoyed it versus how much he re realized that being the number one YouTube channel is not something to just be like, oh, whatever, I could do that again if I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. So so there's that. Like, realizing that, uh, that uh, you know, just showing up every day and putting in the effort... To, to to make the wheels turn on on the thing is is honestly just such a huge part of the process that I can't reiterate how important it is um, especially when you're tempted uh, when you have initial successes you're tempted to want to say oh well maybe I maybe I don't need to do that anymore because yeah. uh, I'm having success. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a tendency to, to do that, especially when you're young and, and we've seen it happen to people. Um, and a lot, and some of them either aren't with us, uh, in the YouTube game or they, uh, um, 
you know, or they, they moved on to other things or, or they had that period of struggle and then they figured it out and they came back. It's all of those. Any one of those things is possible. Yeah. I mean, it's also like evolving and changing has been a good part of this whole process as well, which is like, yeah, like a lot of the stuff we do, it comes back to a lot of like the core fundamentals of why we're interested in doing what we do, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, it's not like, you know, you get known for a certain format and if you pigeonhole yourself too much in that one format it's like well the moment you stop doing it then suddenly it's like like everything you're doing rests on whether that succeeds or fails then the new endeavor so to speak right mm-hmm. and so i think like for me anyways it's definitely the the, the like it, it, it previously it would kind of hurt hurt us in a way maybe if you, it may i don't know if it actually hurt us but like the idea of like here's a new different idea for a video every single time we're doing it we're always never repeating the same thing twice like i think you know early on that was successful because it was like here here's something really fresh every single time yeah you people getting people talking about your stuff yeah yeah i mean obviously there were probably moments there where we we could where we could have strategized to capitalize on successes a little bit better but like making um, a second real gta (laughs) there's entire channels dedicated to just doing the real gta style video that we pretty much invented and then (laughs) the other channels go on to like raking 20 million 30 million views per video and just like geez that's as much views as we get across like all of our videos in the entire year yeah i mean are, are they still doing that are they still getting 30 mil no, but there are channels that still do it. And no, do they, get like they walked into mil. a gutter and there was a sound and then they never <laughs> came out. Yeah. They're, they're like little mini, mini gold rushes for YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah there's, there's, there's always been those. We've seen them come and go. You know, we've seen the, uh, the re- reply girls. We've seen the yeah. pranksters. We've seen the, the true let's players. Yep. We've seen the kids channels. The, yeah, those, those mini gold rushes, man. Those little money bubbles. Yeah, I mean, they've sprung up time and again. The vlog era, family vloggers now. The family you know, like, vlog. I mean, flammy vlogging is still a thing, but yeah. not. But not it's like new. it's all been like the huge spikes of like yeah. where the algorithm and like money combine. Where it's like, oh, if I just do this thumbnail, these people watch it, and if these people watch it, this gets flipped in the algorithm and it gets twenty million views. I'll do that over and over and over and over, and right. I'll make ten million dollars a year. <laughs> Like, yeah, for a year, for a year. Well, for three years until YouTube gets off their butts. Yeah. (laughs) And then you're good. You can retire, (laughs) (laughs) which is how it happened, you know, for some people. Part of, you know, it's weird, like being, did you guys ever feel envious or jealousy or just like, man, we should have just done that. We should have said, fuck it. And just like, you know, Uh, just raked it in. (laughs) You know, it's the thing is like, it's not envious because it's like, hey, I should have done that. I, I, I've never felt like, hey, we we should have done that, and I'm envious because, or I'm jealous rather because we didn't. Mm-hmm. I always felt a little bit of resentment, I guess you could call it, or anger though, because it was like I knew how hard we worked to maintain like a recurring but also like fresh audience slate of content stuff that i feel like had a little bit of artistic value had a little bit of something new for the audience 
mm-hmm. had a little bit of something to say, um, you know, did things a little bit differently. And it wasn't just purely existent to take advantage of the algorithm, to make as much money as possible, to not care at all about who, who watches it or how they watch it, but just to simply like a, like another, like a computer meeting a computer. It's just like, here's what you want. Here's what I got. Let's meet and have a money baby. And then, you know, when you get sick of me and I get sick of you, then da, 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 we'll go on our separate ways. Like I always felt, you know, we were giving something a little bit, something back to the platform. Uh, and it was a little bit, it was, it's been a little bit disappointing to see like, okay, well, you know, not not that I'm complaining, but just to think like, oh, well, that person went out and made this and they made that much money and then they walked away and they didn't do anything for the platform other mm-hmm. than help it sell ads, which then eventually advertisers decided they didn't want to sell on those videos. <laughs> Whereas we were like, hey, let's like, yeah, YouTube, like, let's do the thing and like, let's make the platform better. And OK, OK, this is what your ecosystem is like, OK, we'll participate in that and we'll make stuff that's like that hits on those things and like, okay, you know, we'll give something fresh to the audience, but also try to keep it consistent with what we know advertisers are going to enjoy and what, what's going to be good long term. Mm-hmm. And then to be like, Oh yeah, that's right. We still got to do brand integrations. Okay. Got it. You know? Um, yeah. So it, it's not like I'm complaining, there's... but it's just, there's a, there's a, there's something that could have been done better there. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, anyone can be envious of others' success, but at the same time, like, you know, I think the real, the real thing that speaks to that is that, you know, we've, we've had countless opportunities to like go in that direction (laughs) and haven't. And I think the reason for that is just that, you know, you don't want to turn something you enjoy into your own job because if you, if if you like, if you, yeah, if you close off all the, like, if you put constraints on yourself too hard like that, then suddenly, yeah, you you become your own self-hating boss for like committing <laughs> to doing something too much, you know. Like, See, I, I don't. Mean, I don't. And some of the people that have done that, though, I don't know if they do feel that way. Maybe I mean, they're not. I don't know. Maybe they I don't mean, think would, about it the way that we do. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, you have like, you know, you can take like some examples like the Paul brothers, or so to speak, where it's like they're not. You know, they're just doing vlogs, you know, so it's like they're not necessarily putting themselves in constraints there. But, you know, you look at the other like genre video channels of all sorts. And I would imagine that like if if they're not just living life and vlogging and being party animals and stuff, then like they probably do feel that stress of like, all right, well, I'm I'm, I got to produce this the same thing that that tries to, you know like I'm, I'm not making something because i enjoy making it you know like I, i'm sure any, everyone comes to that point i feel well, like uh it, i feel like mr beast is like the perfect example of that from you think he really doesn't like it or uh, he must like it I, I i heard an anecdote from an anonymous source who worked on a set of one of his recent videos <laughs> and apparently he's completely checked out of interacting with everyone and is uh, the, 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 the most the most pleasant way to put it is that he's difficult to work with 
I I don't think we should speculate on that super hard because we speculated on him in the past and it was well, it's not a, it's not it, it, it wasn't a, kind and it wasn't it also wasn't like we didn't go about it in the right way. Sure. So. Uh, well, I'm I'm look I'm not speculating. Okay. Of, uh, I, I, the only thing I'm speculating his is his, his attitude towards the videos, but what I said about. The, you heard the, through a third-party source that that he was, was from someone who had out. firsthand experiences working Got with it. him. Got it. Yeah. So, okay. And you know whether whether or not that's that's a true story or not. I think there's stories like that that are true all over the place, and I think that's the truer point. And also, like, even in our own content, we need to make sure that we're checking ourselves. To make sure that we're not falling into that, you know, like we we like. Can you imagine if we were still doing like the two week videos for Corridor and in the exact same way that we were? Not not only would that be not financially sustainable, but I think at this point you can only put on the Mario costume so many times. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, before you're just like, no, I'm not. I'm not putting that thing on again. And you know, as as much as uh, I was sad to see Carmichael go and leave the vlogs the way that they were. I do understand why he did it. And it's, mm-hmm. I think it's because of that. I think it's because he felt like he had done everything he could do with that form of expression. And so he decided that it was time to move on. And I respect him for that. Um, though it does, you know, it's like a little teardrop on my heart. It gives me a little teardrop on my heart to see that. But mm-hmm. um, because I felt like there was still so much we could have explored. And I feel like we are doing that with the crew channel. Like there's still so many things that we can explore with that channel. And eventually, you know, the react format, it'll probably go away. Um, Mm -hmm. It'll probably go away in time. Uh, And, and I fully expect that to happen at some point. Um, Cause you know, at a certain point it'll become just people either, you know, like, lose the audience will lose interest or will or will lose interest in doing it and there's nothing wrong with that hopefully it's a while from now because it's been great for everybody and the audience loves it and it brings in a whole new slate of people to the channel every week that haven't seen our videos which is awesome but you know you got to think reality wise like eventually that thing has a shelf life (laughs) yeah You know, there's a point where, like, you know, back when we were doing our thing, let's see, when we, we like, really started YouTube maybe when we were, like, 23, 24 years old. Sure. You know, maybe a little yeah. earlier, 22. Yeah. And, like, it's starting to blow up. And, like, it was really the first, like, big, I guess, gold mine that hit when we were, you know, established was the, the gamers. You know, right when YouTube yeah. shifted over to the watch time. And so then, like, video gamers started to blow up. And people like PewDiePie suddenly went from like, you know, a nobody to making, you know, $15 million a year in just ad revenue on YouTube. Um, and there's a question where it's like, all right, you know, you can try to pivot really hard and pursue some of this stuff that's like popping off, maybe find success in it. But what do you, where do you want to be 10 years from now? Like, right. what do you want to be doing with your time? Right. And like, here I am 10 years from that point now. And like, if I look back on it, like, I'm really happy with where I am. I'm really happy with the experiences we got to have. And like every day, I still get to like sculpt a lot of my daily experience at Corridor with you guys to be things that are fulfilling and fun and really like speak to the things that I want to do. 
versus like, you know, grinding out my 8,000th Minecraft video, you know, or whatever. And, you know, if people love, like making Minecraft videos and have, you know, that was what their dream when they were 24 and now they're 34 and they're still doing the same thing. If that's what they want to do, then more power to them. But like, I definitely knew that like, there's a point where if I want, if I wanted to chase the money, like at some point you'll either have made the money or not. And then that rush is over. And even if you made the money, you still have to do, you're still alive. You still have to do something with your time. Right. And like, you know, at least for us, like it's all about that fulfillment of like actually creating things that people enjoy watching and like that, you know, reaches out to people and motivates them, inspires them, makes them feel something, you know, it's, it's the artist's dream that's been around since forever. It's just part of yeah. being human. And, you know, at least when I look at that, that's how I comfort myself into <laughs> thinking that we made the right choice. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it's not like we've been, it's not like financially it's been hard. Like we have, you know, there's moments there where, where we've had to like, you know, really watch the, the spending and watch the pocketbooks and like make sure that things are being specific um, and, and, and all that stuff. But like, we just spent, you know, all that money renovating studio three so we could move up there. And it's this really beautiful, awesome workspace now. Um, and it's, you know, like we've been able to, uh, you know, give consistent salaries to people over the course of many number of years and to ourselves. And it's not like, you know, it's like we're making videos, man, you know, like it, that, that that's, we're lucky enough to just be doing that, you know? And so like the whole idea of like getting rich, I just, I never bought it, you know, because mm -hmm. like there's no end to that way of thinking. It's just yeah. like, oh, well, now that I've done that, you know, what else do I want? What, what more do I need? It's just, we've been, we've done plenty fine when it comes to that side of the game. And so I've got no regrets there. Um, it's like super it's super cliche to say this and i apologize i'm gonna say this cliche but like <laughs> you know there's there's a first phase in your life where you're just trying to make ends meet right you're just trying to pay your rent trying to make sure your bills are covered so on and so forth yeah at some point ideally you move on from that phase of your life a little bit you'll still have to worry about your bills you'll still have to worry about making your ends meet but you know once you've done it for 10 years in a row it's like you stop stressing so much about the next month you know if you've if you paid your rent for you know five, yeah, for 300 months in a row you're probably good for three. Yeah. yeah and you learn a few things along the way you don't make any decisions in haste you know yep. uh, and then, and then yeah. you reach a point where the more money doesn't get you happiness where you you realize right. that there's things that you want or there's you know there's desires that are inside of you and maybe you don't even know how to fulfill them but having more money isn't going to do anything to, and right. like, like I said, this is super cliche. And I was like, well, I sure would be happy if I had a billion dollars. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not saying that having your resources covered <laughs> wouldn't, would make you happier. But like for most people at a certain point, you cross that line um, where it's like, okay, my resources are covered. I have my shelter. I have my food. I, you know, it's like yeah. you're, and that's taken care of. And at, at some point, like you still have to live and like fulfill the things that you want to fulfill Mm -hmm. And, you know, at least I feel like what we've done with Corridor is we've built a relatively flexible, like, world that encourages us to go out and do the, like, do the endeavors that we think are important to do. And we're supported by people that think the endeavors that we're doing are important. And, like, that in, in and of itself is, to me, almost worth more than, like, any paycheck. 
you know, the fact that like, cause you know, it is, it is, it is at the end of the right. day, like, you know, you can't take any of the money with you when you die. <laughs> no, you know, it's not about the money. It's about, it's about doing the things that make you feel happy and fulfilled. And those things can only be fulfilled you know, through like your, your own self-fulfillment. And there's no, there's no legacy of just like being rich. I mean, by and large, it's not like, it's not like you get remembered because of how much money you have. Even people that are billionaires don't get remembered because of how much money they had. They get remembered because of the, the, the tangible successes that they brought to be in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, Jeff Bezos isn't going to get remembered for being a, whatever he is now, a, 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 40 billionaire or however much money that guy has in stock and everything else. Like he's going to get remembered because he founded Amazon. Exactly. Um, He's took a, he took a online bookstore and made it the largest online distributor of goods in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. That's why. And so (laughs) like, even when you're talking about like uh, money and stuff, it's, it's really, that's, the thing that you should be focused on is success and success is subjective. Yes. To, to the individual. But once the individual has defined the success, it becomes objective to that person. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can define success and say like, okay, you know, we want to have this many subscribers on the website, or we want to make this show with the website. Um, Or we want to, you know, have this person as a guest on the react show. All of those things are tangible measures measures of success that you constantly have to be sort of reminding yourself of. Mm-hmm. And as long as those things are in line with the rest of your goals sort of and they're working in tandem and you can actually make money off of those things at the end of the day, then the success on the money side will 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 will, will happen. It's mm-hmm. just you know, it, it's like yeah, I don't know. You just so if, you, if my, you're running the race I, for that, you're never gonna you're never gonna get to a place where you're happy. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm, I, maybe it's a tangent, but so so then what is okay? So if we're talking about a level of success here, okay, what's the success of releasing like intangible internet videos? <laughs> you know what i mean like what, what's the sure. well what like, did we you know what, I'm what was your measure like, of success when we started those videos my measure of success was like are we making enough ad revenue to just focus on survive just and make just the next one making these videos yeah like that was the measure of success so self it was completely like survivalist like can i yeah support myself yeah step step one was that can i make videos full-time yes yes exactly that and that was the measure of success now that was a direct correlation to to the amount of money that those videos brought in but that wasn't it wasn't the money that you were after it was the freedom to be able to go and then make another one and have the have the sovereign individual like freedom to be able to go and do that and to have that lifestyle that was the measure of success and obviously that requires money because everything requires money. So it's, it's, it's only tangible to think like, okay, well, this is my measure of success, individual freedom to make videos for a living. How much money do I need to do that? Okay, mm-hmm. so I need to make yeah. X amount of money 
So these videos need to make X amount of money in order to me to facilitate me to be able to do that. Now, that that's a normal train of thought. You do have to be careful about catching yourself in a cycle where you're just making the videos to make the money, to make the videos to make the money, you know? Because <laughs> after you establish that 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 free that lifestyle yeah. freedom, then it becomes about like, oh, okay, now now where do we go from here? You know? And yeah, so not to mention that question of all right, if I make one video a week, I make this much money. If I make two videos a week, I make this much money. Right. Three videos a week means three money. <laughs> and it's like, how many videos three are you going to <laughs> Like, how, how hard are you going to go on this? Because at a certain point, you just have to decide to stop working and therefore stop making money. And right. it's like, yeah. Like most, like most tasks. Like most people. <laughs> like most jobs. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. You do hit a limit, obviously, of, of human endurance. Yeah. Well, I mean, ideally, you're not pushing yourself to that limit of human <laughs> endurance just to discover that <laughs> two videos was enough. Like, it's more that, you know, it's like going on a vacation, right? If you if you're going to take a break from work, let's say you're working an hourly job, right? And you're going to take you're going to go on a, a two day vacation. So you're taking two days off, maybe a Monday and a Friday. I'm going to really round out this this imaginary That's what world doing. Here. Let's talk. Yeah. OK, Dean's our example. <laughs> so Dean's going to take two days off. He's packing it around a weekend to maximize, maximize his time off and get four days off. Yeah. Now, if you're working an hourly job, at some point, it's going to pop into your mind. I'm going to sacrifice X number of dollars on Friday. I'm going to sacrifice X number of dollars on Monday. In other words, it's yeah. going to cost me. I'm going to throw out a number of $300 on Friday when I'm gone. It's going to cost me $300 on Monday. So my vacation is going to cost me $600 on top of all the other things I'm going to spend my money on for my vacation. Not Even Dean's stay vacation because he's a paid <laughs> – he gets he gets paid vacation. <laughs> right. Now, here's the thing. When you are your own boss, well, guess what? No one's paying you anymore. So if you take a vacation, yeah. it's coming directly out of your pocket. Right. But the thing is the moment you start thinking about your vacation – as costing you money, just because you're not working, you're yeah. setting yourself down a bad rabbit hole. The moment you go, if I take a day off, it's costing me $300. Like, you can't think that way. Like, your life will fall apart. Yeah. Like, if you're not working, it's it's not costing you money, right? Obviously, I get this opportunity cost, et cetera. But if you're not working, it's yeah. not costing you money. You're just not making money. They're, they are different, and they're subtly different, but they are different. And, like, wrapping your head well, around that. Whether like that's actually true or just psychologically true, because I think that's more psychologically true than it is actually true. I mean, there are, there are two distinct different states of existence. You know, one thing costs you money. The other thing is not actively making you money. Like if I go and I buy an item that costs me money, if I don't mm -hmm. buy an item, it's not like I've just made $10 because I didn't buy a $10 item. You know, it's like they yeah, are subtly different. What about like a production, though? Because production's like it, it costs X amount per minute, but then you turn around and you like make a video, and then that video is going to make money because it does X, Y, or Z. Well, see, you're going you're going down the rabbit hole I'm talking about here. Like, so okay. when you're when you are your own boss and you decide to take a day off, you think to yourself, yeah. "Oh shit, this day off just cost me X number of dollars." And once yeah. again, in reality, you just didn't make that money. It's not like you spent it. You know, it's not it's not like it. You know, there's a price tag on the day. Yeah. Granted, you're not making that money. It's just you're. It's, it's the same thought as like if you would have been a born if you would have been born a day sooner and you would have had one extra day of work. Well, guess what? You would have just made some extra. Like that's the mentality that you fall into. Like, and you don't yeah. want to be in that mentality because right. if you're going yeah. on vacation and you're now thinking about taking a day off is costing you money, you're ruining your vacation. No, and you can't think like that. 
Yeah. yeah it's like like when you're not making money, it's not going down. It's flat. You know, it's like that's kind of how you want to approach it. When you want to take your next step and continue your climb up the mountain, like good. But standing still is not going backwards. Standing you still know, is different. You know what the best vacations are for me? <laughs> when no, tell me. <laughs> when it's like when we're when coming off, Sam get up and they do their goddamn work. No, no. When we're coming, <laughs> when we're coming off one of those epic like weeks, you know, mm-hmm. where like. We got, you know, everything's like like tuned in creatively. Everybody's firing on all cylinders. Like we release a bunch of videos throughout the week. Like they're performing well. Like and I freaking and I and I go, okay, that was great. That was awesome. You know? And whether mm-hmm. it's like meeting up or you know, whether it's like just having a beer and just like chilling, mm-hmm. that 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 those couple of hours when it's like done when i'm done for the week and i'm gonna just chill before i go to bed honestly it's like the best vacation and i know i'm not going anywhere and i know i'm not doing anything but the way just the way that my mind works i don't need that much time you know like i I don't i don't i like to i like to get into it and like mess around with things and like tinker with things and like i don't know it's just part of my it's just part of my being yeah Um, but those little you're one of those lucky people who's who whose life is not something they feel like they need to get away from. No, no, yeah, yeah, man. Definitely. Like that that moment after like everything's been done and you just get to step back, like I did it, and it's it's good and it's working and everybody's doing their thing. Like it's yeah. really fulfilling. I mean, hey, you're sitting you're sitting on the keystone of your Maslow's pyramid or hierarchy of needs right there. Yeah. Self actualization, achieving one's full potential. Yeah. No, totally. That, that's the very top of the pyramid. Yeah, and that's just that's to me that's the best, and yeah. it's more it's more fun seeing other people succeed, you know, and like mm. obviously being a part of that success and helping helping facilitate it, and like you know having your own successes along the way in a number of different facets. But like, I don't know, it's just fun like watching somebody else, you know, watching Clint like slam on a video and mm-hmm. then see it come out see it do well you know yeah. or, or watching him take that hit and maybe it didn't do well you know and then he's got to come back to the drawing board but the next time you yeah know? um mm-hmm. that's super fun to see too I, I i yeah i love that yeah i mean that's that's the most rewarding thing you can have i think in in this business you know it's art man i still say we're all artists you know it's yeah. like if you make a cool work of art and people are like that's a freaking rad statue yeah. you made and you're like yeah cool it, it was a lot of work and it feels good to be done i'm glad you like it and like that one moment right there that's that's all that's all you want that's all you, need. <laughs> that's all you need yeah dude i remember when you we were making lifeline i think it was the producer or the showrunner of lifeline was like look in reality the best you can hope for is that people just watch it quietly for two hours he's <laughs> like when you make a movie that's the best you can hope for is that people go to the theater they sit there they watch it quietly and passively and then they leave if you've done that, that's that's success as an artist. You know, no rounds of applause, no cheering, just silent attention for two hours, and that's it. <laughs> oh, that's yep. rough. Awesome. Is that a rough prospect, or is that is that daunting? It's a little disheartening. <laughs> I'll be real. Dis- you'd hope that people at least like tell their friend about it. You know, yeah. hey, I saw this really cool weekend. 
Or I saw this really cool know. film over the weekend. I think that's just a way. That's just a way to kind of mitigate the failures a little bit. I mean, that's, no one. That, honestly, no one truly wants that. I mean, maybe if it's your first thing, sure. But well, wait, 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 wait. How many people are silently sitting in t- through two hours of this? I mean, I'm sure ninety nine percent of the people two, listen to this. Bad. Is it like two or is it like two billion? Well, in today's class, oh, yeah. if two people are in the theater, it's it's a success. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, if it's like 200 million, like if you can get 200 million people to sit and silently watch your video in a theater, that's a smash success. I guess the question is whether or not they paid for the tickets. Well, assuming they paid for the tickets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I'd rather hear the laughter of one audience member than the silence of hundreds. <laughs> you just like, hey, yeah. do you want to come over and watch my video? Uh, oh, no, man. man. No, last time it wasn't very good. Yeah, but I could come. You could come over and I could sit like this and watch it. Watch you <laughs> while you watch it. <laughs> you know, speaking of watching people watching your videos, it's weird how you can kind of like. You can tell exactly how engaged they are, even if they're not saying anything or doing anything. Yeah. Like they can be like sound. They can be watching your video, like sitting there silently. Yeah. Or their eyes can be a little bit wider and they can kind of be leaned in a little bit. And just like you can feel that difference. You can tell when somebody's like engaged and that's when they're quiet and that's why they're quiet or they're just bored and being respectful. And that's why they're quiet, even though it seems very similar. (laughs) Just tell. Every time. Yeah. Every time. Yeah, well, for us, I guess our metric of success then is uh, how many people rapidly hit their keyboard <laughs> after watching the video or tap on their phone screen. So what is that's, that's okay? Our of well, applause. so originally, let's just go back to that real quick. <laughs> originally, we wanted to be able to do this full time. That was our yeah. measure of success. Mm-hmm. Okay, after we after we were able to do it full time. What was the measure of success after that? Like, you know, think 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 akin 2014 Corridor Channel. Dude, that what pack of measure, bacon, remember? What was your measure of success then? <laughs> yeah, there was the pack of bacon. No, no, like, no. No, like 2014 Corridor. Our measure of success was like, well, we we got a... 2014 Corridor. Man, what a time. I, I, I'll be honest. Like, I thought it was going to be like an emotional reaction because of some narrative thing. Like, wow, this is moving or this was scary or that was super funny. You know, it's like going after like the true raw, like impacts that pieces can have. Yeah. And personally, I didn't I didn't realize what it was until like the Boston Dynamics videos came out. And like seeing that impact, so to speak, like that, that emotional reaction for me, that was, it took 10 years of making videos to get to that point for me. Because after seeing that reaction, I was like, ooh. It wasn't just people going, oh, sweet graphics, bro. It was like anger and sadness <laughs> and like hatred and excitement. <laughs> and like, it was just like yeah. primitive, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I was but like, I'd argue, there, there you can only go. get that, you can only get that emotion with the style of filmmaking that has been developed, you know partially by us and, of course, many, many other people in, in the online space. But, like, it's really hard to get that same reaction with narrative, like with classic films and television, right. to get, like, the same it kind is. of, like, 
anger and vitriol think, or, you know, celebration that you're getting with the boss, t- boss town. Yeah, that's like thing. masterful stuff. You know, like there's like a handful of filmmakers who can capture that. A lot of yeah. people, I think, say, <clears throat> you know, I think and I think we were maybe maybe we were part of this and we didn't know it. But a lot of people say like, oh, I want to make narrative. Which may be the case. Which can mean a number of different things in and of itself. But mm-hmm. I think what you're really looking for is that that response, yeah, like yeah. that 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 response from somebody that like a, a, a true response from somebody. They watch a piece and they're like, "Oh my god, I never thought about it that way," or "Oh my god, was that real?" or "Oh my god, holy crap, we're all screwed." Uh, and actually, you know, any any range of those things, but impact being. We set up this target and boom, the target hit home emotionally for the person who watched it. Yeah, definitely. That I do think is, I do think there's one caveat to what you just said there, Jake, though. I think yeah. that's what one of the things that narrative filmmakers want. I think the other thing is the ability to focus on one project and make it that. the best you can yeah. Yeah. with an extended period of time. Right. However, if you think about this from the corridor point of view, right? So you'd have a video you spend a week on VFX artist react. Let's say, you know, you spend a week on it. So each one of those videos takes a week to make it comes out, it gets a million views. All right. You you go, all right, I want to take a year to work on a film that year. Those 52 VFX artist react videos that you skip that whatever you make with that year needs to hit as hard as 52 of those VFX artists react videos. It's like needs to get yeah. 75 million views on the internet. Yeah. It's like, it's gotta be a shot. dang good video. You have one shot. No adjustments. I mean, that's how it was with the second boss town video when Sam and Clinton, everybody's working on it. It's like, that was like a three month video. And it's like, this better hit. And it did. It hit, it hit, yeah. you know, it hit three months worth of time. It, it worked, but like, there's a lot of videos that don't, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. that's the, that's the, yeah, that's the risky part. Yeah. Well, but, guys, I hate to say it. I, uh, I kind of have to wrap this up here. Okay. The old pod. <laughs> All right, buddy. <laughs> the, the kids are starting to do cartwheels and jump off the ceiling and hit each other with hammers or whatever. Again, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what I was going to say was that the website helps us offset that. Oh, yeah. So, that we're not risk. being facetious. We're being completely no. honest. Yeah, that risk of that that Sam, that crazy old Uncle Sam wanted to take on Local Zero <laughs> is is soon to become a thing. It's halfway. Yeah. It's halfway funded. We'll, we'll see how well that does. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited that. for that. Dude, Son of a Dungeon, got, I'm so excited for also. That's actually yeah. going to be pretty sweet, too. Yeah. yeah. And I got to say, functional filmmaking. Like, the outlines are coming together. The scripts are being written as we speak. Yeah, well, so functional... me and Sam aren't writing our scripts right now, obviously, but <laughs> functional filmmaking is in development and scripting phase right now. We're going to get that out, get that in the can first, and then we're going to move over to Son of a Dungeon. Uh, that Son of a Dungeon will film after that because we want to do things in the order that they were greenlit. But um, yeah, just so you guys know, um, that's where those are at. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. Hell, hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. That's All that's right. that's what I brought back from Texas. <laughs> the whole Hell yeah, yeah, brother. It's, it's a hell yeah, brother. <laughs> have you ever have you ever got a have you ever got a good hell yeah, brother? Hell yeah. No, brother. hit me. Hell yeah, brother. 
Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Oh, boy. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I love reading the comments. By the way, if you made it to the end, I love reading the comments in the podcast because they're slam Slam it down. Slam slam down that applause in keyboard typing form. (laughs) Or just, you know, engage in the discussion. Or crying eye emoji. Either one. Hell yeah, brother. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll see you guys Peace. later all right later later guys have a good night later